Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I haven't changed my position. I think that this debt limit budget insanity is going to pass. But there are a lot of unhappy Republicans. There are a lot of unhappy Democrats. There are a lot of unhappy people. And then, of course, there are those people who are just engaged in the same old talk. On to the debt ceiling, though. Look, I, I think the Republicans took this president hostage. This president did the absolute best he could under the circumstance. The deal could have been much worse. Uh, but there are many Democrats who do not want to reward the Republicans running roughshod over the Constitution. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries has said that we will provide enough votes so that the deal passes and it does not defend. But some of us are going to vote no on principle. We don't mm. believe that you should be taking away food assistance from the most vulnerable when we have an affordability crisis, that you should be hurting people who are student loan borrowers. And we know that there are options, as Larry Summers has said, Paul Krugman has said, where the president can pay uh, the debts that Congress has authorized him to pay and that this should never happen again. That's Representative Ro Kahana of the Progressive Caucus. He's talking about the 14th Amendment at the end there. But what was what was this term right here? Food assistance from the most vulnerable when we have an affordability crisis. What the hell is an affordability crisis? Oh, you mean inflation, which gets exacerbated by your spending. That is some precious stuff right there. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Representative Clark wants you to know uh, that uh, that Biden also was a victim. Not only uh, was he taken hostage, it was extortion. Ah, it's not coming out. That's too bad. That's the best. No perfect negotiation, says Representative Catherine Clark, when you are the victims of extortion. It is remarkable to me that Democrats who want to highlight that Biden has done all the right things here are trashing the legislation and trashing Republicans. This was Hakeem Jeffries. Of President Biden for arriving at a resolution that does three important things. First, uh, President Biden has avoided a catastrophic default, which would crash the economy and hurt millions of everyday Americans. Second, President Biden has arrived at a resolution that would suspend the debt ceiling for at least two years and avoid a hostage-taking situation for the balance of the 118th Congress. Third, President Biden has arrived at a resolution that protects incredibly important democratic interests. The resolution reached by President Biden protects Social Security, protects Medicare, protects Medicaid. These things were never in doubt. But why are you saying it like this? 
Hakeem Jeffries trying to talk up President Biden really sounds like he's trying to sink this legislation. Representative Catherine Clark sounds like she wants to sink this legislation. Representative Ro Kahana sounds like he wants to sink this uh, legislation. Do I think this is going to pass, this debt limit and budget deal? Yes. But barely. I think it's going to pass. And I I think that for people who are asking or wondering, well, why are there Republicans who are going to vote for it? Like, let's say, Congressman Thomas Massey and uh, members of Congress who are going to vote uh, against it. Well, remember, let's start with the basics that that all politics are, are, are local. And these could be people in specific districts who um, can't go back to their district with certain levels of of policy. They can't can't go back and and say, um, I'm I'm okay with this or I'm going to vote for this. They made promises and they have to live up to those promises. Doesn't matter that the country might default. They could lose re-election. Then there's some people who are on principle who said, you said, we said, Republicans said, we're not going to allow these 80,000 IRS agents that are absolutely positively there, absolutely positively there, without question, to go after uh, members of society in the gig economy. We have to know who's bringing in over $600 a year. You're not there to go after the rich people not paying their fair share. We Fair share is enough to make you want to throw up. That's commie talk. I'll get into that. You're going after people in the gig economy. You're going after people making a little scratch on the side. And you said you were going to get rid of that, those 80000 You were going to put an end to this abuse. And you didn't do it. Promises kept, promises made, whatever the expression is, um, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. And how about this idea of, of the debt limit? You're going to increase the limit based on a number of years, not based on a price tag. Representative Dan Bishop of North Carolina was having this back and forth with Newt Gingrich over there on Fox. This is Representative Bishop. Dan. Sean. Sean, yes, I, I really can't believe my ears when the, when folks tell me, well, it, it doesn't matter if it's not in the language of the bill. What are they saying? They've got a handshake agreement with Joe Biden? I mean, I, I can't believe that. But the, here's, the real, here's the real killer. The, it took the debt ceiling out to the January 1, 2025, a year longer than the Republican bill proposed. Here's a piece of information for your viewers. I just heard it tonight from the speaker in the conference. He said the reason that happened was his call. It wasn't even asked for by the Democrats. He didn't want to end up in another negotiation with Joe Biden next year because he believed that they would ask for more. That's what he said. I, that's, you understand that's a four trillion, maybe five or six trillion dollar increase in debt that we just let him have. And the speaker says he made the call. I don't yeah. understand that. And uh, and it just it doesn't make sense. It is a it, it fractured Republican unity that was so hard won. We're going to have to figure out how to put that to, uh, back together. I don't know what happens with well, this. Congress bill. It probably passes about that. with Democrat votes. It probably does pass with Democrat votes, which brings us to Matt Gates, who laid it out on the line. He put down the marker, did the congressman from Florida, who really was one of the, uh, one of the people uh, who held up McCarthy getting the the 
vote for speaker on the first or second or third 15 votes later. The operative question, says Gates, there is whether or not the speaker can get to the majority of the majority. If a majority of Republicans are against a piece of legislation and you use Democrats to pass it, that would immediately be a black letter violation of the deal we had with McCarthy to allow his assent to the speakership and would likely trigger an immediate motion to vacate. I think Speaker McCarthy knows that. That's why he's working hard to make sure that he gets 120, 150, 160 votes. Picture what Gates is saying here. Gates is stating that if you don't have a majority of Republicans and you need a majority and you need the Democrats to get this passed, we're going to remove you. It's going to be done. Does McCarthy have a majority of the majority? I argue yes, that he does. That some Republicans are just going to suck it up and take it. Some Republicans are in districts where it won't matter. The Republican Party sees things a little differently there. Remember, every Republican Party feels a little differently about things. They'll be able to promote some of the good things, and there are some good things in this. Not everything is, is, is disaster and doom and gloom. Not everything was a sellout. Democrats took some hits in this. I would argue there's an extent to which they took more hits than Republicans. But I just mentioned, uh, for example, the debt limit itself. It was extended for two years. Years. Not on the money. So when you hear Representative Dan Bishop there say that it could be $4 trillion, maybe 5 or $6 trillion increase in the debt, that's because there was no number attached. People heard it the first, okay, we've suspended the debt limit till 2025. And people go, okay, we don't have to think about it until 2025. No, 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 no. What happens between now and 2025? And that's where it can go up and up and up and up and up and up and up. Now, maybe Republicans could say to themselves, hey, we control the House. We control the purse strings. We don't have to have this. We're going to keep spending flat in 2024. It's going to go up 1% in 2025. We can maybe bring this the other way. Maybe, but probably not. So the spending is therefore put in this out of control place. And that's that's a real issue. For me, the thing that is most concerning is where I find myself diametrically opposed to Congressman Thomas Massey of Kentucky. And I like Thomas Massey. We both believe that we need to cut spending in government, not lessen spending in government, cut We have to not only spend less, we have to aggressively spend less. We have to pay off debt. It is the only way to engage proper survival. I know that society doesn't believe this, but society is wrong. Democrats spend and Republicans spend slower is not a way to survive. Nobody can survive this way. He noted in the legislation, this deal, if you will, that there would be a series of appropriations bills that would have to be passed. 12 of them, as he has has gone through it. And I'm utilizing his reporting on this, the congressman's, as the data. If, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I will, I will say so. But follow the concept. There is a series of appropriations bills that have to be passed to get every, all this legislation uh, done. 12 of them. If any one of them doesn't pass, a penny plan goes into effect. Now, people have brought forth the penny plan before, and as a concept... I am not opposed. The penny plan states there should be a 1% reduction in spending. A penny for every dollar. 
That's why it's called the penny plan. 1%. 1% of a dollar is one cent. That's all we're talking about here. One cent reduction everywhere. And you say to yourself, why in the hell would you be opposed to a reduction in spending? The reason is that this involves defense. Defense spending actually goes up 3%, according to the legislation. Senator Lindsey Graham said, are you out of your mind? Inflation is over 4%. You're not even going to raise the the spending on defense to inflation levels? This is nuts. I'm going to rip this apart. I'm going to tear this to shreds. That's what he said. We'll, We'll see what he does in the Senate. But we cannot have a reduction in defense spending. We can have a reduction in the Department of Education. It doesn't do anything for us anyway. As a matter of fact, we should get rid of the Department of Education altogether and return education to the states where it belongs because the Department of Education has failed kids. We've seen this through COVID. They provide no value. We don't need an education secretary. We don't need a Department of Education. Sell all the desks and turn the building into the world's largest Dave and Busters. That's all we need. And while we're at it, I think while we may want a, a commerce department, we can cut that thing in half. Cut it in half. And maybe I can be convinced to get rid of the commerce department altogether. Gone. I'll save us a lot of money that way. I'll save us a crap ton of money that way. You would, you would not believe the kind of savings I could get into. You don't do it on defense. You don't cut defense spending. We can't. We don't have enough ships at sea. We do not have enough efforts being put into cybersecurity, especially when dealing with the hack problems from China and Russia and other places. You might say that $886 billion is obscene, and I'll tell you it's nowhere near enough. We differ on this, maybe. I'm okay with that, but I cannot go forward with a plan that would cut defense spending. I've got other things I can cut. Anybody who thinks Planned Parenthood deserves a dime of tax money is crazy. Tell them to go to Oprah and raise the money. All these people who hate uh, Ron DeSantis and they have concerts and they're like, if you will vote for Ron DeSantis, you're blanking dead to me. You fund Planned Parenthood, screw you. No one gives a damn what you think. Just sit there and play the song. You're entitled to the politics. You could stop the show and engage the politics. But people came for the songs, and they're not interested in your politics. And most importantly, you're not talking to the audience that you can move anyway. As a matter of fact, the audience you could move got totally turned off by what you said and how you said it and how you said it. So, you know, uh, all right, maybe just keep talking because that's maybe good for DeSantis. You cannot cut defense spending. You can cut funding to Planned Parenthood. Let this uh, person who hates DeSantis pay for it. Let Oprah pay for it. Let everybody else pay for it. They can do it with private charity. And Planned Parenthood will be fine. Because of this penny plan, I couldn't vote for this legislation. I would be a no. I don't know how it's going to go. I assume it's going to pass with about 11 votes despair I think it'll be a majority of Republicans but I could be wrong and if I am one has got to ask whether or not McCarthy is going to have a short reign as speaker and if he does 
who the hell takes over. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. By now, many people have heard the story of the Disney princess with the mustache. That's right. Disney princess with mustache. Look, Disney very clearly, very, very clearly has made a a, a statement. And that statement is, look, we get more money from being woke than not. And we don't care if we proactively and aggressively confuse six-year-old kids. We are fine with taking men, letting them dress as women, and saying, go on, talk to children. That's fine by us. I don't know why they do it. I don't know why people are okay with it. Of course they're wrong. In every way, they are wrong. They choose being wrong. Personally, I, 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 I will admit to you that the answer must be and only could ever be that this doesn't affect them financially at all. At all. They must be okay with this. They must want this. And why do they want it? Because it's financially advantageous. There's only one reason why you would take a man, dress them up, or let them dress up as a woman, and say, go talk to children. They want to do it. They think there's some value in it. We, of course, say, well, I think all you're doing is making kids pretty confused. Well, that's what they want. We have to expose these children to all different types of people. No, they're six. They don't need to be exposed to anything. Thank you very much. They need to be able to get on the rides. It's okay. They still think that Tinkerbell is real. They actually think that princesses exist. And the only princess they've seen so far is Megan. And, oh, wait, she's not a princess. Oh, she's only a duchess. Oh, oh, they did see Kate. And Kate's lovely. Now, maybe you're saying, oh, it's all just make-believe, so what does it matter? The purpose is not something wholesome. The purpose is purposeful confusion. You want to confuse these kids. You want them to live in this constant level of questioning. You want to override their parents who just want to take them for a little bit of the happiest place on earth and you want to make it the most confusing place on earth. And the only reason to explain this level of hateful is that it's financially advantageous. It doesn't make any other sense to why you would do it. You really like this? You really want to confuse children? You really want to indoctrinate children? You really want children to think that a grown man dressed as a woman is the normal course? Nah, you're doing it for the money. I believe this is all ESG. Somewhere they're getting the money. Because if this is really for a hardened belief in the ideology, 
These people are down a darker road than I ever imagined. What's going to happen in Congress? Congressman Larry Bouchon is here to explain. That's up next. The debt limit is the story. Really, this this whole thing is the story because, well, there's a question about why we even got to a level of a negotiation on this. What was the point? If you have Republicans who had already passed legislation, they had already passed the legislation to raise the debt limit and sent it off to the Senate, why negotiate about anything? Just go tell the Democratic senators to vote on it. Tell Schumer to put it on the table. It never made any sense to me why a negotiation even took place. Tony Katz, good to be with you. There was this commentary from Congressman Chip Roy of Texas about it. My colleagues, be very clear. Not one Republican should vote for this deal. It is a bad deal. No one sent us here to borrow an additional $4 trillion to get absolutely nothing in return. But at best, if I'm being really generous, a spending freeze for a couple of years. That's it. That's about what you get. And frankly, you're going to make things worse. And my Democratic colleagues know it. That's why they're supporting it. Mm-hmm. That's why they're going around gleeful. Look, there's a reason our Democrat colleagues support this. There's a reason that Mitt Romney supports this. There's a reason that Bill Crystal supports this. It's all the same stuff. I mean, he was not pulling any punches there. Congressman Larry Bouchon joins me right now. Fellow Hoosier from the 8th District, the southwest areas of Indiana. Sir, you see this legislation that comes before you put together in the negotiation between President Biden and your speaker, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. As you've read it, what's your take on it? Well, let me just say, uh, Chip Roy is a great member of Congress, but I'll respectfully disagree with what he just said. Uh, the, the debt ceiling has to be raised, first of all, for your listeners. And the reason is, Tony, is because we're borrowing 24 cents on the dollar every day. And so if we don't raise the debt ceiling, we'll have to cut federal budget across the board, including Social Security and Medicare, by, by a fourth the day after it's not raised. Look, I'm for a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. I can't get anybody out here to bring one up. But discretionary spending isn't the problem anyway. It's really a false narrative. The budget cannot be balanced cutting discretionary spending. For example, if we eliminated the entire Department of Defense budget right now, we'd still run about $300 billion uh, in in debt, in deficit. So the problem is mandatory spending, 63% of the budget, and most of that is health care costs. They're too high. I'm not talking about the programs. We don't need to cut Medicare, Medicaid programs. What we need to do is get a handle on health care costs, why the bills are so big. You know, Indiana has some of the highest health care costs in the country. So, you know, the, the, the true debt is going to go up no matter what you do. You can't, you can't fix that by cutting discretion, only discretionary spending. So that's the reason why uh, the debt is going to go up. No doubt about it. We're going to have more added to the debt in the next year with this or any other bill that only addresses uh, mandatory spending. So, look, this isn't perfect. I voted for the original bill out of the House. 
But the reality is, is we have divided government and this makes progress. But we have a huge problem with spending. Most of it is on the mandatory side. Well, and I've, I've been trying to get it addressed, Tony, on the health care side here. It's a battle with the health care industrial complex, I'll call it to get control of these health care. I'm not arguing, sir, that we don't have an issue with, with health care spending or pricing. I'm not arguing an issue with spending uh, in total. I agree with you. But I want to go back to this legislation. This legislation yeah. discusses uh, suspending the debt limit till 2025, but doesn't discuss any caps on it. This allows for, as uh, Congressman Roy and many others have, have mentioned, uh, Congressman Dan Bishop is another one of the people who's mentioned it. It could be four trillion. Trillion, five trillion, six trillion dollars. Is it a very Republican move to have a legis- bit of legislation that doesn't rein in spending by actually reining in spending? Yeah, my preference would have been, Tony, to have a dollar certain amount, to your point, not a date certain. And I made that very clear to our leadership. Uh, I think, you know, the negotiations people wanted to get past, past the presidential election. Now, let me say this. It's not open-ended spending because the Republicans have the House majority. So any, there's not going to be any increased spending because we have the House majority. You know, if this was a date certain and the Democrats had 60 votes in the Senate and they had the House and the White House, let me tell you, it would be a big problem. But we're going to be able to uh, control the, ma- the discretionary side of this. Again, the mandatory spending will march on. Let me tell you what's, what is in this. There's no new taxes. The Biden administration wanted $5 trillion in that. There's Im- improvement in the work requirements for safety net programs. It's not perfect, but it's improvement. There's modest permitting reforms a lot of the energy industry needs because they can't get pipelines done. And it rules, it does actually control non-defense discretionary spending back to 2022 levels, but continues to fund the, D, the Department of Defense and the VA programs uh, like we, would, we, we want. It claws back $30 billion almost in COVID money. That's a slush fund that the administration can hand out. And it stops the, the 2023 increase in IRS funding that they, they're trying to do. Another thing, Thomas Matthews... Oh, well, sir, allow, allow me the moment of the pushback. Talking to yeah. Congressman Larry Bouchon of Southwestern Indiana, the 8th District, the medical, medical doctor by, by trade. Um, that last part there about the IRS agents, it's 80,000 IRS agents, and we've basically cut $2 billion for whatever it is from what they're going to get. You're still going to have a massive increase in IRS agents. And the promise made when Kevin McCarthy became speaker was that this was a day one priority to not put these IRS agents in because they're going to go after the little guy in the gig economy making a little extra scratch and not go after rich people not paying their quote unquote fair share. And in this deal, that's not not happening how is that not a broken promise yeah it's not a broken promise because the increased irs agents was over a 10-year budget window okay so it's not in one year and and so what this does is it allowed in 2023 that they can't do it they can't add the irs agents uh this year this year in dc they budget over a 10-year window so it's not a promise broken we we did rescind rescind the entire $80 billion that was over 10 years, um, and, and most of it on the back end, you know, most of the money in the out years. Um, so this makes progress. This cuts off the increased funding in 2023. Every year we're going to have to fight for the remaining part of it. I agree with you on that, but that's what we did. 
And then the other thing is Thomas Massey from Kentucky, who has come out in support of this also, it, he has suggested that if we can't get our appropriations bills passed by the end of the fiscal year, we should we should not put in a temporary funding with a continuing resolution at full funding. We should put it at a lower amount. And we did in this bill, 99%, which means at the end of this year, if Congress doesn't act on funding, the budget is going to get that we can put forward going forward will be not only 99% of what the current spending. That is a big deal. But does that include military spending? Because what he's talking about is the penny plan there. The idea of a 1% uh, reduction. We saw this in years past as a conversation in the Obama years about sequestration is, does that reduction include the military? Yes. It's across the board. And 99%, so it puts pressure on Congress to act. And, and so, you know, continuing resolution, as your listeners probably know, means when Congress doesn't do its job, well, you have to fund the government. So what do you do? You do this temporary continuing resolution to keep the funding at the same level that you have it currently. What this says, 90, it's only going to be 99%, so there's going to be a 1% cut. Looking at that at the DOD, that's about $9 billion, $8.5 billion cut. So nobody wants to do that on the Republican side. And the Democrat side, all of their social programs that they favor will, will have the same effect. So, you know, overall, it cuts about $2.1 trillion uh, in spending over the next 10 years compared to the projected amount. So I, let me just say this. This is far, far from imperfect. But the reality is until we get a balanced budget amendment, we cannot – I cannot get – the Congress to address this 63% of the budget, which is mandatory spending. And that is what the bulk of the the addition to the national debt is going to be over the next year. Could it be filled $4 trillion? Yes, it could be. But the reality is most of that is going to be on the mandatory side because we have controlled the year-over-year spending on the discretionary side with this. It's not perfect. Uh, I don't particularly like it. I think... The deal is not what I would do, but with divided government, you can't, you know, not be able to borrow money when you're spending 24 cents on the dollar of borrowed money. So let's 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 dig into that a little bit more. Talking to Congressman Larry Bichon, and uh, I I've, I have never uh, known you in all the times we've had to talk not not to hit me straight, even if we disagree and we we disagree uh, right sure. now. And and uh, let's continue the straight talk. You've yes. mentioned now twice this idea of divided government. Uh, You also mentioned as we started that you voted for the first bill. The first bill raised the debt limit and put a cap on the spending and it passed the House. Why is Kevin McCarthy, why are Republicans negotiating anyway? Why wasn't the pressure and why isn't the pressure on Senator Chuck Schumer to bring this in front of the Senate, pass it or, or, or turn it down? If you pass it, let Joe Biden veto it if he doesn't like it. Why wasn't the argument, hey, whoa, 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 we passed this thing. The Senate can work on it now. We're going on vacation. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point, Tony. And they, because in general, in these spending things, politically, the Democrats usually have the upper hand because they, can, they, they, they have no problem, honestly, tanking the economy if, to get their way. And, you know, we've heard from all kinds of people that going over the debt ceiling, again, 24% cut. 25% cut across the board, including Social Security and Medicare. Honestly, I would think I, they just don't really care if they want to get their way. So, you know, Republicans, uh, we do care. We want to be responsible. 
We want to get the debt ceiling raised, but we want to make progress. I've been part of this for now 13 years. I vote against clean debt ceilings all day and twice on Sunday. But this is one of the best debt ceiling gets that we've had since we voted for it. Voted for it. Let me tell you, and during the Trump administration, the debt ceiling was raised three times, and he signed that into law, and we got nothing for it. So uh, I, we put pressure on them, but they really don't care if they went – as long as they went politically. I mean, that's the, that's the reality of it, Tony. In the conversations I've heard from Democrats, whether it's Congressman Hakeem Jeffries or Rokahana, Catherine Clark, there is a you talk about, you know, uh, Chip Roy talked about Democrats wanting this. And, and I think you're talking about some Democrats who, who, who want this. They don't seem to be talking like people who want this. They seem to talk like people who want to scuttle this thing from happening. It's, it's to me. That's what I'm hearing. What are you hearing? What are the Democrats going to do? And. Does Kevin McCarthy have a majority of the Republicans on his side to get this passed? Now, the, to answer your second question, the answer is yes. I suspect we'll get at least two-thirds of House Republicans to support this. On the Democrat side, let me tell you, they don't want this. They don't want this at all, even the leadership. They, they're trying to get votes to pass it on their side because uh, they realize that they don't want to go – they don't want to – quote unquote, default. Uh, and so, look, this is not a good deal for Democrats. It, it just isn't because they wanted a clean debt ceiling increase with no progress at all on on spending, on permitting reform, uh, on uh, work requirements, on social programs, none of that. They're they're you know, they're going to hold their nose and take this. And so, you know, this whole thing where. Some people are saying, oh, the Democrats are talking like they're for it, so it must not be a, a great deal for Republicans. The reality is Democrats hate this, and that's why uh, I think you know we've made progress here. The, the Democrats, honestly, Tony, they, they did, they've got this new economic theory where the debt and deficit don't matter. It just doesn't matter. They're, they're like, we borrow this money. We're borrowing it from ourselves. Why does it matter? And the reality is we all know on the conservative side it matters because the international bond market, our, our rating as a country, uh, and everything else will collapse if the United States is no longer considered the, the uh, you know, leader in the world on trusting that we will pay our debt back. Let me just say this also. Last year, roughly interest on our debt was roughly, don't quote me on the exact numbers, but roughly 475 billion. This year, it's going to be over 600 billion dollars because of higher interest rates. 600 billion dollars of taxpayer money just on the interest of the national debt. So I'm for a balanced budget amendment. We got to get that done. We got to make Congress make tough choices. Um, this is a, in my view. Uh, uh, advancement down the field, but it's certainly, certainly not everything I wanted or what we need to do. So you're taking the incrementalist view of this. So just to be clear, you are a yes vote on this debt limit and budget deal. Yeah, I'm going to support it. And I think two thirds of House Republicans and uh, will will support it. Uh, I think we have to take an incremental Steps here. I mean, the Democrats are good at this. For example, in healthcare, Harry Truman campaigned on a, on a single payer government healthcare system. 
Look what the Democrats have done over the last 70 years. They've taken incremental jabs at it, and finally the big one, Obamacare, happened, right? Whereas Republicans, in a lot of ways, you know, didn't address some of the issues in the healthcare space from a private sector uh, arena, and we got rolled. So now we have a healthcare system, you know, where the where the government has so much intervention, right? Uh, and that's the problem in healthcare. It, it's so expensive because the feds are involved in it everywhere. And so I I do take an incremental approach on this. But at the end of the day, I support a balanced budget amendment. Congressman Larry Bouchon, I'm up against it for time. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Bouchon, B-U-C-S-H-O-N, Bouchon.house.gov is where to find him, sir. Always a pleasure. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Can anybody tell me why Chick-fil-A has a DEI officer? Can anybody tell me why people are screaming at Chick-fil-A for having a DEI officer? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. This is a story. Chick-fil-A's DEI leader sparks calls for boycott. No. Hold up. Everybody and their mother has some kind of DEI-related thing within their company in these large-scale companies. You don't have to boycott them. You have to tell them it's unnecessary. Chick-fil-A isn't kind enough and decent enough? Chick-fil-A? Guys, don't buy into the crazy. Don't be a part of this. It's when they start making changes that abuse the customers. That's when a boycott can happen. Find everything at TonyCats.com.